This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Jacqueline Takarante. She's an award-winning marketing and public relations professional with over 20 years of experience in both agency and client-side settings, serving Fortune 500 companies, including Canon, Puma, Harley-Davidson, and Procter & Gamble. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, thank you for having me, Roman. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on the show. So how did you get into digital marketing and marketing and PR in general? Is that something you've always been interested? How did you kind of get into the industry? You know, I've actually been in this industry for close to 20 years, and this is really all I've ever known. So the funny part is my brother had a speech impediment. And so I went into college to become a speech pathologist. And my junior year of college, a professor said, oh, you need to take an internship and you should probably go into advertising because you're really great with talking with people. And I was like, oh, I'm not even in that world. I'm a science nerd girl. And um, so I went and immediately realized that the agency that I was working for, which was Bromley Communications, which is the Latin arm for the publicist group, which is one of the top 10 ad agencies in the world. And I just was mesmerized by advertising and PR. And at the time, this is when digital marketing was starting to come into play. There, you know, there was already an existing MySpace. Texting campaigns had just started. I mean, this was like, gosh, 20 years ago. And so we were really on the forefront of all of this. And I thought to myself, this is very cool how you can reach an audience um, by your phone. And it was just kind of something that was new. It was very pioneering. And um, that's really what started and catapulted my career. From there, I worked with, you know, agencies and companies like Harley Davidson, really understanding on a grassroots level how campaigns and digital campaigns can connect to communities and beyond. And then about 12 years ago, I moved from Texas. So you'll hear my Texas twang. It'll come out, especially if I have whiskey. Um, But... (laughs) But, you know, I moved to New York about 12 years ago, and I was just blessed to work with several agencies that really took me under their wings and taught me a lot about the digital marketing landscapes and how to connect brands um, with personal brands and how to connect brands with communities. And so then I came to Staten Island. I had a, a dear friend that said, Jacqueline, there's a new director of marketing Um, position at Snug Harbor Cultural Center and Botanical Garden. There's a new CEO. And um, is that something you'd be interested in? And I said, you know, let me check it out. I had never even ridden the, the Staten Island Ferry in my life. I had lived in the city for six years. And I came to Staten Island and it reminded me of Texas, just the greenery, the parks, the community. And so I fell in love with Staten Island. And that's where I decided, you know, I'm going to get my heels and my feet and my elbows wet and dirty and let me learn. And then in a couple of years, I'll start my own agency. And that's exactly what I did. And so we've had our company now for about four years. And we're the leading PR marketing firm on Staten Island that connects for-profit businesses with nonprofits and other organizations. So 
you know, it's it's been a journey, um, but it's been a wonderful journey in learning how to connect the for-profit sector along with the nonprofit sector in the digital landscape. No, that's awesome. And uh, how did you know that you're ready to make that jump from uh, working from for someone else to starting your own agency? You know, it's it's interesting because when I I've always known I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but that jump and it was never you know the fear of failing was never um, in the back of my mind. The fear of finances was always in the back of my mind um, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, most people know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're gonna hustle, you're gonna grind, you're gonna close on contracts. But the fear of finances, working in an advertising agency. You know, you learn that sometimes clients don't pay within 30 days. They pay 60, 90 days, 120 days out. And so the fear of finances is what scared me. But um, what really catapulted me was while I was working at Snug Harbor as the director of marketing and PR, my husband and I decided to start a family. And so I was doing all of the film shoots, photo shoots, bringing in scout tours, location scout directors, production crews. They had never even been to Staten Island. And so this was like a gold mine for them because they were like, wow, we can shoot an episode of Gotham here. And I was like, yes, of course. And I realized that there was no way that I could be a mom with a high-risk pregnancy and work 80, 90 plus hours a week. So I said, you know, I will start this entrepreneurship journey and I'll just do have a couple of freelance clients. And then, you know, if things don't work out, I'll go back into the city. And that was not how it turned out. It ended up being by the time I left on a Friday, by Monday morning, I had six clients. And so now it has snowballed into 37 clients with five employees um, and really curating the content that's here on Staten Island and really positioning Staten Island as this vibrant destination because there's a lot of things that are happening. You know, there's Empire Outlets, there's the recently the New York City Winter Lantern Festival that came that brought 150,000 people. So it's been a journey, but my husband also was a huge supporter, a huge support system. He had told me when I first told him, like, should I quit? Should I start my own company? He said, Jacqueline, you have all of the training and experience that you need. You've been doing this for a million years. You just need to believe in yourself. And to hear my husband say that, because I was always preaching like, yes, power to the women and be a brand. And then having your husband really, you know, pull you aside and say like, hey, you are what you are. You're fantastic. You got this. And that was really the push that I needed um, to hear it from my husband. So, you know, anytime I receive an award recently, I was in the, the newspaper and it said Texas native um, find success in Staten Island media firm. Anytime I s receive any award, any accolades, I always bring it back to my husband because, you know, to have that strong support system, that was very, extremely instrumental to the foundation and the growth of my company. No, it's really awesome having that support system. And it's awesome that the agency is focused to kind of bringing up and highlighting the community around it, because obviously a lot of agencies, even when they start, get clients that are not necessarily in their general vicinity or even internationally, which, you know, it's fine to have, but it's cool to, you know, bring your business up along with the community around it. Yeah, I mean, I just 
I just immediately learned that there was this disconnect. Every time I worked for an ad agency or a digital design firm, you know, of course, you got to have your bread and butter clients. You have to have your clients that, you know, keep the lights on and keep salaries coming in. But I also know that passionate people get the best press, passionate people get the best engagement and so when i started my agency the first thing is you know i really put pen to paper down of what my vision was and we've been sticking by it since day one and so sometimes when we have clients or prospective clients that want to sit with us um you know i ask them straight up i'm like what is your commitment to the community and you know because if I'm taking time away from spending time with my husband and my family and my community, the client better be worth it. So for me, it's a personal thing as well. Like I gotta like you to work with you because I gotta be able to. I gotta be able to pitch you. I gotta be able to curate content for you. But if I'm not feeling you, that doesn't mean that you're a bad prospective client. It's just I may not be the agency for you, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think it's. Uh what a good fit is or, or the best option because a client comes to you but you're also kind of interviewing the client and if they're the right client for you absolutely absolutely i mean we've thank god <laughs> knocking on wood over here you know there there were learning curves when i first started my company because you want to you know get that stream of revenue coming in and you're like yes i'll do this yes i'll do that and then you're like oh no no i won't do that <laughs> So, you know, you got to just also find your due north. And for me, it's really about my commitment to the community because this is also the community that my son's being raised in. So I always feel proud when I can say like, oh, I brought 200,000 people to Staten Island for various events and the borough only has close to 500,000 people. That's a huge accomplishment. And so I want to always position Staten Island at the forefront of you know this cultural destination that's happening and this renaissance that's happening here um, especially within the past two years it reminds me very similar to uh welcome to long island city a campaign that we had worked on and so you know it's just community is just a really big driving force for me no i agree and i think uh scaling your agency in that manner you have a vested interest so you obviously deliver better results and like I said like you grow with the community as well so in terms of kind of starting an agency what are some of the pain points that you found from jumping in to working for someone else to yourself that somebody that's thinking about starting an agency or any other business can basically take from yeah so I think there's a couple of pain points but positive pain points as well you know you want to be in demand, of course. You want people to be like, yeah, that's a great problem to have, right? You want people to be like, I want to work with JMT Media. And you're like, great. And then clients start flooding in and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to hire more staff. And so one of the pain points that we had early on is growing organically and growing at a steady pace. Um, because if we can't serve at 110%, I don't want to do it because it's my name, it's my company name, it's my logo everywhere. And so one of the biggest things that we tell even new entrepreneurs now is to make sure you have a business plan. Even if it's a basic two page business plan, you have to have an outline and a roadmap of what you're doing, what you're gonna accomplish, and what are your goals? Because anybody, I tell this to, to almost every entrepreneur, I, I always say anybody can be an entrepreneur but it's what you define as success. You know, for some people, success is having 
500 clients and bringing in $50 million worth of revenue a year, that's great because that's what they define as success. For me, definition of success is being able to have, you know, several staff members that I'm employing that, that are here on Staten Island, that I'm helping them grow. Um, and then also making sure that they're, of course, you know, there's a steady stream of income coming in, but we always have, you know, every quarter, I look at where our sales are, I look at on the business development side, I look at what's in the pipeline, um, how we're going to retain and keep the existing clients that we have. So having a even a basic business plan is super essential. Um, my staff already know that in the month of November and December, that's our planning time for the next fiscal year. And so I literally bring out every contract, we, we go through every single thing of what we did well that year, what we need to improve for the next year, because nobody's perfect. My agency is not perfect. The next agency next to me is not perfect. But the one thing that we do is we're constantly refine, refine, refine. And so, you know, as we talk about pain points, in, when you're growing your agency, you have to remember, especially if you're starting off by yourself, have a game plan together. And I know this sounds crazy, but most people also have the fear of finances. So go to your local bank and just ask the basics of what do you do to support small businesses? One of the great resources and tools that we've worked with is actually Small Business Services, part of New York City. Um, we were able to finalize our Minority Women Business Enterprise Certificate. We've been able to attend several finance courses and webinars. We've been able to attend several classes on the legal system, um, anything that has to do with attorneys. They provide you an attorney um, pro bono, which is fantastic. So there's a lot of scary things when you start off as an entrepreneur because you have to make sure you get an LLC. You have to make sure that certain things are trademarked and copyrighted. And so it seems like it's a crazy daunting process, but there are tools and resources that are out there and all you can do is ask, ask, ask for help. That's all you have to do. No, I agree. And I think you touched on the point of kind of reevaluating re yourself where you are and where you were for the year and all your strengths and weaknesses, because I've, I've been on the agency side as well in several director roles and different tactical things. And a lot of the time the agency will reflect, but kind of blame the client for things. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a relationship. So it's a two-sided you know, story. You may have not understood what the client goals were or the client had other expectations of you kind of bridging the gap, but simply blaming one party is never going to, you know, work in terms of, you know, building or scaling an agency. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and the interesting part is as my son, you know, I now he's going to be four years old this summer, you know, as my son, I always joke around. I, I always say, you know, I had two babies at the same time while I was, you know, four or five, six months pregnant. I'm walking around with my big, beautiful belly with my portfolio pitching to people. And there were times that people were telling me, you know, unfortunately, prospective clients, they would say, are you sure you can handle this workload? You're about to have a baby. And, you know, I don't know if it was just grit or, <laughs> or just my adrenaline going, but I would literally close up my portfolio and I would stare them dead in the face and I would say, you invited me to your office, not the other way around. So if you don't want to hire me, that's totally fine. But I don't need to be mansplained or anything like that. 
And as a result, because I'm very direct and I'm also from Texas, like I mentioned, you know, a lot of these prospective clients were like, yes, we love her. She doesn't take no for an answer. So, you know, when we're talking about scaling, as my son's growing, so is my business. And I'm okay with the pace of which we're growing. There was one point where I was like, woo, I need to hire 10 more people. And so you have to then scale back and assess because there's always this quality that we want to be able to provide to our clients and not just um, regurgitate and, you know, spit out campaigns that don't make sense for anybody. No, that that's very true. And also I think bigger agencies, yes, they're an employee, but like you're just a number. So like you said, publicists and other agencies like that, especially when they bring on bigger accounts. So I've, I've had experience in pharma accounts. So they get, I don't know, 10, 20, $30 million account for a pharma company. They hire a team, 30, 40 people. If they lose that account next year, those 30, 40 people are gone. And it's kind of hard and it leaves a bad taste in the employee's mouth and then the clients it's it's the nature of kind of the industry but i think scaling at a natural pace and caring about the employees is key absolutely and you know when we talk about employees i think because i'm a small business owner myself you know i always tell my staff like look i don't expect you to stay with me more than two years i expect you to learn to grow and to also be your own entrepreneur because it allows you to have that flexibility that you need for a work-life balance you know i've been there working the 70 80 hours at the agency till one o'clock in the morning and i don't like it <laughs> You know, I, I feel like I want to work because I love what I do, but I also want to live. And so as a small business owner, yeah, there's nights and times, and especially during, depending on the season, where I'll work till one, two o'clock in the morning and I'm okay with that. But to be able to go to, you know, Ireland or Italy for two, three weeks at a time frame and not worry about coming back and my, is my job going to be there when I come like I like to have that flexibility so I think it's also you know you have to find what works for you but in general with all of my employees and all of my staff I express to them that although I love their commitment to JMT Media and to the community I expect them to have a moment of entrepreneurship in their own life um, just because I feel like it's kind of like a rite of passage you know as you're 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 learning how to ride a bike or you're learning how to drive for the first time. I want every single person to learn how to be an entrepreneur. See if it works, see if it doesn't work, but at least try. No, I agree. And I think as you grow in your career, that's yeah, those kind of thoughts uh, come to come into play. And I think you telling your employees that you don't, you don't expect them to be there, obviously, their whole life. It's, it's good understanding that they're going to be learning, contributing to your company, but then also maybe growing out of the company and basically keeping those relationships that in a lot of companies they don't. I think that's key, keeping a healthy relationship with the uh, employee alumni, if you will, because you never know where they'll end up or how you can work together in the future. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a blessing for me whenever I get to see, because I follow all of my former staff and some of them have moved on to larger media outlets, ABC News, or they've gone to major international nonprofits. And I'm just... I'm like a mama bear. I'm so proud of them because they took the skill set and they're growing where they need to grow. And this is just the beginning for them. So to be able to help them catapult their careers, you know, I 
I was very lucky when I was in um, doing my internship as a teenager in college because I graduated high school as a junior. Um, I was very, very lucky that my assigned project manager, she ended up becoming my mentor of over 20 plus years. And so she's still in Texas. She has her own agency. And anytime I have questions, I can quickly call her and be like, okay, here's the situation that I'm facing. How should I approach this? And so having that mentor is also a big part of my success as a business owner um, because I come from thing, you know, look at situations from a different lens because I'm not from here. Um, but at the same time, I need to also understand how things are working and programmatically. And so, um, you know, having a mentor is there. And so kind of being a mentor to former employees is just, it's really nice, actually. It's really comforting to know that they still take my advice. And if they need some assistance, I'm there for them. Yeah, you touched on a good point about mentors. Like you said, you've had a mentor for all this time. How important do you think for someone getting into an industry or making a leap to a company of their own, how important is a mentor and how can somebody go about finding one? So for me, you know, it's interesting. Mentorship and I've attended several workshops where they're like, find a mentor. And you're like, okay, let me open up this Rolodex of business cards that I have. I think you need to find a mentor that understands you as a person first, because they need to understand where you're coming from, from certain situations, um, to have that, um, re being relatable. And so because my mentor is from Texas, she understands the cultural side of how I approach things, um, the community aspect of why I approach things the way I do. Not to say that you can't have someone that's from a completely different industry, but for me in particular, finding, it's almost like finding a therapist. Like you have to find someone that's like your ride or die that can rock with you. Like, and so for me, finding and maintaining the mentor that I've had since, you know, grows, that was really instrumental and important. Um, there's actually other meetup groups across New York City um, that you can reach out to, to gather and to reach out specifically for a different type of mentorship program. Um, but I would always advise someone that your mentor, it's almost like that long lost friend, like you need to be able to pick up where you left off. So that doesn't necessarily mean you have to quote unquote check in every week, every two weeks. It could be once a month, once every three months. For me in particular, my mentor and I, we probably connect once every four or five months. Um, and it can be as simple as a one hour conference call where we're, I'm just bouncing ideas. And then there's other times in the season when, you know, being a small business owner can sometimes be a little bit chaotic and being a, a mom and being a community advocate. So there's times when I call her once a week. So it just really also, also depends on what your needs are, but to keep those lines of communication open, that's extremely important. Um, for people that don't have a mentor and that are listening to this podcast, one of the things I would recommend is look at somebody that you admire. You know, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm looking at a placement that we did in Oprah Magazine. Now, could I call Oprah Winfrey herself and be like, hey, Oprah, can you be my mentor? She's probably a, a bit, tad bit busy. Um, so I think you should also be a little realistic with people's time and also people's own journey. Um, so if 
you want to have a mentor that's in the journalism world, like go to a publication that you really admire. If you're wanting a mentor in the digital world, go to someone that has an Instagram feed that you absolutely admire, the Snapchat stories that you absolutely admire and reach out to them because the worst that they can say is no. And then you can just move on to the next. No, I agree. And it's important, like you said, to tailor that somebody that knows you because it is kind of like a therapy session at times yeah. where you're kind of venting and throwing ideas out and refining of, you know, what you should be doing. So they should be someone compatible to where you are or where you want to get to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, my everyone's goals of mentor mentorship are different. Um, for me, I just like to be able to bounce ideas off of someone. And you have to have what your purpose is, because you got to remember a mentor is busy all day, every day. They're busy running their own business, busy running their own lives. So you need to have that flexibility and understanding uh, between both parties to make sure it's advantageous for both people. No, I agree. So what's one thing you can leave with the audience, either personal or professional advice? Oh, whew. so a couple of things. Um, it's never one thing. So the first is my official hashtag. It's hashtag hustling keeps you sexy and focused. I ended up changing it to and focus. So I was with a dear friend. I don't know if I should say her day, but her nonprofit Colloquy Collective, which is based out in Brooklyn. They're a nomadic theater company. And uh, one day we were in a meeting in the city and we were, we had just finished meeting. We were about to go to a separate meeting and split part ways. And I'm putting on my lipstick and she says, hustling keeps you sexy. I said, that's right. And so one of the ways that I express to people about what that hashtag means is it's not about the term hustling. It's about keeping your mind, body, and spirit in sync. And a lot of times as your business grows, Sometimes you have to make very hard decisions um, for your business to grow. And so that's when I refined it to be hashtag hustling keeps you sexy and focused. It's that old school saying, you know, heads down, tails up. It's about the work. There's distractions all day, every day in the media. There's distractions in the community. There's distractions with, you know, quote unquote, other haters. Sometimes people just hate on your business and that is okay, but you need that fuel to fire you up and to get your body moving and to continuously stay focused. So that's one piece of advice that I would give people is stay focused, always be prepared. And when I say prepared, mind, body, spirit, and soul. Don't look like a sloppy mess. <laughs> Get it together. And the other piece of advice is you are going to fail and it is okay. Sometimes people I think are afraid of failure because they, they're afraid that it's gonna be a reflection on how other people are gonna look at them. And that may be true for 2.2 seconds, but you have to, have to, have to try and attempt um, so for instance, our company, we decided about a year ago to do a web series. Now we're not, I, I'm not a TV host or anything like that, but I really wanted to have an, an additional platform for my clients to go on besides traditional press. And most people, uh, initially they were like, what are you going to do, Jacqueline? Why would you create a whole new division for JMT media? And I said, you know, the worst that could happen is it fails, but at least I know. And as a matter of fact, we had within a three month period, 
close to organic 150,000 views um, within a short period for a web series. And that's all organic. Nothing was paid, nothing was boosted. And for us, that was a huge indicator that this was something that was extremely um, visible and people were interested in it. So I say to everyone, you're gonna fail and that's okay. Pick yourself up. You have 24 hours to be sad, depressed, whatever you need to do, read a book, run, walk, and then you move it along to the next day. And then you keep trucking ahead um, because nobody's going to define your career and nobody's going to define your path except you. So keep it moving along. <laughs> no, I agree. And I think it's like failing fast and be able to kind of brush it off, shake it off, you know, deal with it the however you want to deal with it, but learn from it and pivot as fast as possible to move on to the next thing. That's right. Be nimble, be nimble and quick. No, I agree. Well, it was really nice having you on today. Can you tell the listeners how to find you or some of the things you have going on? Sure, sure. So if you follow us at jmtmedia.nyc, um, you can follow us on the web. You can see our podcast, I'm sorry, our web series. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook because the majority of our clientele is on Staten Island. The other half is in Manhattan. Facebook is a huge social media platform for us. Um, so you'll see us there on jmtmedia.nyc. And I mean, you can direct message us, whatever you want to do. We'll respond. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.